Welcome to the Watchers of the Skies program. We're here in the JDM studios at Ashland University. Dennis Montecruz, that's my colleague. I'm Carlos Campo. Dennis, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. It's a great day. It's a little frosty out there for a Friday, but we're going to be okay. It is. We're thinking of opening a Siberian extension campus, but who could tell the difference, right? <laughs> Uh, we'll take that under advisement. Thank you. We're joined in the studio by some talented folks. We've got Gage on the camera here, Brandon in the back, department chair Dave McCoy's running that, Stevens there. I heard Carrie Smith, the real boss, is upstairs, and we welcome you. You know, Ashland University is the kind of place where we try to hold one another accountable for our views, and they're on a spectrum. You know, Dennis and I are only two voices here at Ashland, but we try to reflect the broader community here and try to watch the sky, as John Keats talked about in one of his poems that we borrowed from for our title, Dennis. And we take on a number of topics, you know, and this one, you know, maybe the business school folks would be interested in this one in particular, because, you know, it was Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock. You know, their investments are 10 trillion plus. Let's just take a moment for that <laughs> to take that in. And, you know, Fink talks about the fact that 34 years ago when he took over, he had no experience running an organization. But now these letters, so he writes a letter, right, starts every year off and wrote a letter last year that focused very much on, you know, what he would call ESG. It's this whole idea of sustainability related to business. But there's been pushback in this year, and it was reflected in his new letter. And that's what we wanted to take mention of, because to make mention of, because here's this, this shift that's occurred in the business world. When we think about the philosophical, political, and social issues that seem to touch everything, right? So everything is touched, and now even the Fink letter, the famous Fink letter that comes out every year, uh, where he had been advising folks, particularly around the way they invested around sustainability and other issues that were called part of what people would say is woke capitalism or woke economics. And now this new letter certainly calls that out. So interesting framework in this new letter. Right, so let me add, yes, add a little detail there. So many of you may not know what ESG is. So if you, let's say you, you create an IRA. And uh, what's that? An IRA, an, an individual re retirement yep. account. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I just use the, the abbreviation and don't <laughs> think about what it stands for. Uh, so basically a retirement account through your, through your company. Uh, you'll often be asked if you want to have an ESG-based IRA account or not. So the E part is for environmental, S is social, um, different social issues, and G is governance for how the company is run. Right, right. So for instance, if you are, let's say you're really worried about climate change and you think that oil companies are harmful in that respect, then you'll want a portfolio where they're not investing, for instance, in ExxonMobil. Okay, so that would be an example of, of that. Or you might want companies that are, let's say, really for social justice concerns. So, Generally, when you're setting it up, they'll ask you if you want to invest in this way. What BlackRock is doing is essentially making the whole company ESG. So it's not that you can have an ESG portfolio. It, you're e in. it is ESG. You're in. Right, right. yeah, you're, you're in whether you want it or not. And they're the biggest company by far for financial asset management. Um, I think like Vanguard is the, the next biggest one, and it's less than less than five trillion. Mm. So, I mean, they're more than, they have more than double the assets Stunning. of yeah. their closest competitor. So, in 2020 and 21, he was, again, giving kind of an unapologetic for this approach. And, and the concern that, that people gave is not just, um, well, well, kind of a twofold concern. One is that uh, 
that this is not necessarily the, the best way to do it. So people who choose ESG portfolios are, are doing so thinking, well, you know, I may not get the biggest bang for my buck, but I'm, I'm doing something that's socially conscious that is going to make the world a better place. And that's fine. I mean, so again, that's why many companies give these, offer, these options. But generally, it's considered that's going to have a poorer return on, a poorer return on investment relative to a non-ESG portfolio. So that's, that, that's one worry that people have. And so if everything is going to be ESG, well, is this what the shareholders want, right? The shareholders are there presumably first and foremost to make money, and they can decide how socially concerned they want to be. The, the second concern, and this goes beyond the company and its immediate shareholders and, and stakeholders, is that it seems that they're kind of bullying, in effect, um, other companies, right? So they, they, they use their weight and say, well, you know, hey, you want, you want us to invest in, your, in what you're doing? Well, you got to come along with us in this that's ESG it. ride. And, um, and so it's, again, really very heavy-handed, at least that's, that's the critique that's been given, and there's been plenty of pushback against this, including at the level of state governments. Sure. So yeah, Texas, I think, was right. one that jumped in. You know, and part of another critique that's related, Dennis, is this idea around profit is that there's more profit involved here. You know, that there's a higher cost very often to having these kinds of business practices and even products. But you know, I think there's an interesting balance there, too, because when consumers are asked, they, they say, I'll pay more. Mm -hmm. I will pay more for product X if I think it's recyclable or if it comes from an, a, another product. So, you know, there, there certainly is a balance there. I really like your emphasis on what are you investing in, right? What are you investing in and how conscious are you about these investments and those implications? So I'll diverge, as I often do, briefly to talk about Ashland. You know, we have an investment committee here. Mm -hmm. And as we invest our endowment, you know, which is, you know, around the $65 million level, so not quite yet at $10 trillion, but we're working <laughs> on that. But, you know, we, we are careful about that. We don't want to invest in just anything because mm -hmm. we want it to be the sort of investment that reflects our values. We say the same thing when we talk to donors about our students because they're investing in their lives. They're investing in scholarships to help some of the young people even in the studio to graduate with less debt. So we think it's really important that we carefully monitor these things. But as we talked offline, you know, one of the things that makes it difficult is even our professionals say, Carlos, it's almost impossible when you start investing to, to, be, to opt out of a, a mutual fund that probably does invest some in pornography at, at some level, mm -hmm. right? Because it's a company that owns a company that owns a company okay. that happens to publish X, you know? Uh, so, or, you know, maybe works along the lines that uh, is, is, is in some other way in opposition to the values at Ashland University. So we have to really stay on this in that regard. So there's my, my brief uh, jag to the side, but you know, it, it really opens up this broader question, Dennis, because I know as president, I will talk to students who are very concerned about our investment in fossil fuels. So there's just one example, right? I can't recall which institution it was, but not long ago at a board meeting at a certain institution, a protest broke out and it was the student body uh, with signs and demanding that the board divest of all of their investments in fossil fuels. And before long, literally, the, the meeting broke down, and the president said, there's nothing I can do. And they had to 
to cancel the meeting. And if you look at the institutions that have done so, that have divested all their investments in fossil fuels, colleges and universities, there's a growing number. Now it's, it's public, as you would guess, and it's on websites, and you know, we're on board, that sort of thing. Well, I, I think this sort of activism, I like it. You know, I, I don't like that it canceled the meeting. I think there's a way to do both. But I like the fact that students are more involved. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that Mr. Fink was referencing was that there has been a change. One, in this perspective, one paragraph in to his letter, he talks about woke capitalism and free market enterprise. This idea of in, in a free market capitalist society, if the markets are truly free, then should you be forced or even leveraged to join a certain mindset around how investment happens? And so I think this is a very interesting question that is, that is brought to the fore now about how we invest and how we ensure that that investment leads to a specific result. So one of the things that we saw in this, as you kind of dig deeper, is that a, a man named Tariq Fancy who was the chief investment officer, big deal. I mean, I don't know what his salary was. I'm sure it was public, uh, but I'm sure it was extraordinary. For, for sustainability, in 2019, he does something that rarely happens, and he changed his mind. And I mean, literally came full circle to say, I, I don't think we had it right, and has now become a sharp critic of this investment philosophy, and particularly because he says he thinks it veils some deep concerns that that are not often brought to the fore. And I believe it was the Norwegian, so it was the, basically Norway's investment that happens at the, at the level of the country where they had pulled out of fossil fuel investment, but it had no impact on their carbon data. So mm -hmm. this idea that this lack of investment will lead to some change wasn't true. And Fancy goes on to say that the investment in, that it would take to move the needle at all along some of these lines is, is generally predicted at $50 trillion. So he basically says we cannot get there financially. And to pretend to do so, in many ways, we're, we're wasting money where we could take other steps that are more applicable. So I think really bringing this whole thing into question, and I would suggest that part of our drive on this show and elsewhere is, you know what, keep the fetters away as much as we can federal government fetters, you know, fetters that would constrain intellectual thought on campuses. And, and now this idea about fetters or guardrails around investment. And I think it calls investors to be more savvy. And I think it, this whole idea of what are we directing around investment and the way we talk to, to business owners, because now we have business students who will one day be CEOs. How do you run your companies and how do you take these things into consideration? So let me clarify yeah, something please. with the uh, with with Mr. Fancy's uh, comment. So it's that it would take. Uh, I'm not sure what the relationship is with the 50 trillion. I mean, so it's 50 trillion before, uh, in 50 trillion dollars in investment in alternative energies before Correct. you would see a change in the carbon footprint. That's right. So would the? I mean, I assume the response would be, well, okay, but we're going to have this problem regardless, so we need to do this in any case? I mean, what's... Well, and I think his point is there are ways to get at it okay. that are, that are a, a bit different. And I think his point would uh, go on to say, we need to be upfront to tell people, here's your investment. It literally is not having the impact you think it's having. So you're investing in this fashion, or you're along for the ride, as, as you said, maybe I'm paraphrasing you a bit. But... But do you know the ride you're along for? And you know, he, he 
his essay, and I would uh, draw you to it, something uh, along the lines of the confessions or the secret confessions of, a, of an investor, you know, something uh, along those lines. He really calls himself out and okay. uh, talks about how, you know, he, he believed all of this and then he saw it didn't really have the social impact that he believed it had. And he thinks he owed it and that BlackRock owes it to the investors to say, we understand your intentions, but, you know, these investments probably aren't having the impact that you believe they're having. Right. Now, this is a bit of low-hanging fruit. All right. But um, one of the things that, the, um, that, that Mr. Fink was called on the carpet for as well is the fact that despite the, um, the ESG uh, push that he's made, they're still investing in China. Right. Which does not necessarily suggest the uh, greatest commitment ever to, to sustainability, well, environmental well, or, practices. Well, or, or to social, you know, social, to social good, for, exactly. to, to be sure. Right. So... Um, was this addressed in the uh, the letter by by uh, Tariq Fancy, or what's did, did that come into play as well? Because and this is just, I mean, I mean, I think even for just casual viewers, right? They may not be aware of this, but we we all are familiar with with what's going on at the Olympics with the NBA. Yes, where when George Floyd was was murdered, there was all sorts of hue and cry, and and reasonably so. Yes, um, within the NBA and other sports communities. But when Daryl Morey, of the, uh, then of the Houston Rockets, complained about, I, I forget if it was the Uyghurs or, it was, no, it was Hong Kong. He was standing for Hong Kong mm -hmm. when the protests were underway. You know, you know he was immediately um, very, very you know, forcefully quieted by, some, by, by, prominent by LeBron James and uh, <gasps> plenty of others. You yes. had to call out LeBron. I, I did, yes. Well, he's, he's the face of the NBA. I oh, mean, come on. we're frankly, in Ohio, but, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but he's not, he's not playing for us. <laughs> I guess you're right. So... Um, at any rate, but, yes. but, but right, I mean, you have this, you know, strong, uh, you know, seemingly kind of hypocrisy, right? I mean, it's fine to criticize over here, but hey, let's make lots of money over in China, right. where, you know, whatever is going wrong in the United States, I mean, the issues there are much, right. much more pronounced. Well, it's interesting. I, I don't want certainly to put words into Mr. Fink's mouth, but my guess is that he would say, you know what, Carlos's comment earlier where he talked about it's almost impossible Right, to invest in a fashion and, and still be socially responsible. You know, when you're investing $10 trillion, you know, a few <laughs> bucks leak into these Chinese investments. And, you know, we, you're probably right. We have to be a little bit more conscious of that. But uh, it's, it's just, it's the way you broaden your portfolio to ensure that you're... A few eggs got broken on the way to the <laughs> omelet, huh? Yeah, maybe. I, I, that would be my guess. I, I do have a quote here, though, from Mr. Fink, because I think it's, uh, it's, it's spoken to CEOs. College presidents aren't that. You know, we're not a business and we're a nonprofit here at Ashland in particular. But I, I, I think about the myriad of CEOs to whom he speaks and, and, of course, to me at some level. He says in his most recent letter, that is why your voice is more important than ever. It's never been more essential for CEOs to have a consistent voice, a clear purpose, a coherent strategy, and a long-term view. Your company's purpose is its North Star in this tumultuous environment. So, you know, I mean, modifiers like consistent, clear, and coherent <laughs> might as well be a Baptist preacher. I mean, he's got the alliteration going and the three points. But, you know, that, it doesn't get more vanilla than that. But then he brings up purpose, right? right? So your company's purpose. You know, frankly, I think back to the 2008 financial debacle, who's responsible, you may recall Harvard Business Review, among others. They said, you know, we take some responsibility there. You know, there were faculty at Harvard who really said to their students, it's profit. 
that's your company's purpose. You have, you have shareholders, mm -hmm. and your commitment to them is that the bottom line is strong, so their holdings are secure. That has changed, and not necessarily just because of 2008, but we believe a lot in purpose at Ashland. We talk about it a lot. It goes to our Christian ethos. We believe that life has purpose, and it's that idea that once you make that statement, it spins your entire world into that. It's one of the things we talk to our business students a lot. It's not, the bottom line is not just the bottom line to us. It's not, the bottom line is we want you to be great at business and yes, we want you to have great profits, but that can't be what drives your business and your ethos. So this idea of purpose and what drives you, boy, if you say profit is our purpose, I think from our perspective, you've missed what great investing and what great CEOs really keep in mind. So we really believe that what he is driving at there, I'd, I'd like to push, think a little bit, further along those lines and say when you talk about North Star, North Star implies that there's order, right? When you talk about purpose, mm -hmm. that, that has a broader implication. And so I think that's one of the things that is my takeaway here. If that's really what you believe about investing and what you believe about companies and what CEOs should be focused on, I say yes, but dig further and tell us more about how purpose matters because we have seen, Dennis, and in particular how a CEO all of us human, of course, but you know some behaviors, actions, and attitudes from CEOs have led to devastating impacts on frontline workers and others. And so I think that this shift that we've seen in this letter is something that brings to mind for us, and I hope for our listeners and many others, hey, it's time for us to look more broadly at the way we invest, at the way we run businesses, and the way we think about how this relates to our social structure. Hmm. Just a, a minor note here on a Friday. Right. I mean, I'm almost, I almost think take the, get the opposite take. Okay, from good. This. So, I mean, I see the, the two previous ones, the two previous letters, where he's advocating for the woke view mm -hmm. as the more explicitly socially concerned one. So that seems to me more, I mean, even if we maybe won't agree with everything that he's doing, that seems to me to be the more clear social statement I, I take that the current one is trying more... Trying to back off that and right, exactly. ringing I, the bell on free capitalism. Right. I, I think he's trying to square the circle here and trying to um, at least say, no, no, we really are concerned with the bottom line, that this is about profit and not about um, being, being woke, not about making ESG uberalis here. Well, so. I, and, I, and I, I think we are actually in agreement here because my sense is that while he is saying that, and I think he's saying that because of pressure, you sure. know, I think his own personal view is probably uh, not exactly that, but I would suggest that when he says that, and then he talks about purpose and North Star and consistent and coherent and all those kinds of things, to me, that, and maybe I'm reading into it a bit, but I think to me, that's why I say let's push him further. When mm -hmm. you say purpose, right. what does that really mean? When you say North Star and you say order, what does that really mean? Because if you're really saying it's just about profits, I think you're taking us back to 2008. It's not where we want to be. Various thoughts. Are that's right. Zipping that's, through my mind. But, yeah. <laughs> that's why yeah. we're here that's right. together on the Watchers of the Skies program. Mm -hmm. You know, we always know the conversation continues. And so while... And we, and we should continue this one. Yeah. And we, we should okay. continue this right. one. This is definitely one to take up again. This brings in uh, lots of different ideas. And it would be fun to get some of our economics folks and our business mm -hmm. people on, our, on a panel with us to get their views as well. We want to hear back from our audience too. We thank you for joining us on the Watchers of the Skies program.